0: Hello, I'm Michael Timmons, your door-to-door storyteller, and I'd like to give you a story. This story is called Photo Op by James G. Bruin, Jr. Ed Fallon had owned the small black digital camera for several years before it started acting strangely. The camera was nothing special, little more than a point and click, and the quality of its pictures was underwhelming. The color was often off a bit, and the pictures were distorted slightly. Ed hadn't cared about its deficiencies, he hadn't used it often, and his standards weren't high. Then one day he noticed something unusual. When he photographed people, the images were odd. When he looked at the photos on the camera's small screen, he could still recognize the people, but it was as if he could see behind the images, into their souls. And read their characters. His theory that the camera could see into people's souls seemed outlandish to Ed, so he tested it. His first test was unsuccessful. He showed some of the images to friends and asked them what they saw. Everyone described the images accurately. There was nothing unusual about their descriptions. No one mentioned anything that led Ed to think they could see behind the images or read people's characters. Ed was at a loss. To others, like the mirror that described the queen in Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves as the fairest one of all, the photos revealed only a person's external appearance. But when Ed looked at the photos, he could see the inner person. It was as if the queen were instantly revealed as an old hag. Could that be? He needed another test. He stumbled onto a test when photographing his cousin Jack at a family barbecue. Jack was an alcoholic, supposedly on the wagon, who Ed knew was imbibing secretly. Jack was standing at the charcoal grill when Ed photographed him. Jack, in effect, was the control test. If the photo disclosed his drinking to Ed, but not to others, then Ed's theory would be confirmed. Nice pick of Jack mumbled Cousin Agatha through a mouthful of potato salad when Ed showed the photo to her. "'Hey, Jackie,' howled Aunt Jane when Ed showed it to her. "'Better lose that belly.'" But when Ed looked at the camera screen, he saw Jack a-falling-down drunk. For the rest of the barbecue, Ed engaged in what he thought of as an innocuous parlor game. He photographed his relatives and snickered at their indiscretions and foibles while complimenting them on how photogenic they were and never revealing what he had seen. Within a week, though, he began to appreciate the opportunity the camera presented. When photographing a group that had gathered to negotiate a contract with his boss, he was able to tell which negotiators were lying, or at least fudging the truth. The negotiations seemed to reach an impasse, but Ed advised his boss to keep pushing, because the other side had more to give. Their opponents insisted they had gone as far as they could, but Ed's boss heeded his advice and extracted more. Ed soon was grinning over the small pay bonus he received, but Ed wanted more. One photo disclosed that his boss was using dummy accounts to skim payments intended for their employer. Ed confronted him, and his boss agreed to share the skimmed payments with him. Ah, the power of blackmail, thought Ed. His camera soon uncovered the secrets of several local businessmen and politicians who proved more than willing to compensate him not to expose them. He found himself flush with cash, more than he'd ever expected to accumulate in his lifetime. When he photographed the chief of police, Ed realized the pictures ensured immunity for himself from prosecution if anyone ever tried to turn him in for blackmailing. Ed trusted the camera to read a person's character, so he doubted that any of those he blackmailed would have the fortitude to turn him in. But insurance against the possibility made him even more comfortable. For good measure, he also shot several pictures of the district attorney. Ed was amazed what these public servants had managed to keep out of the public's eye. Ed enjoyed the money. He earned a reputation as a spender looking for a good time, who had the quirk of always carrying an obsolete camera. He didn't need the camera to understand the women who flocked to him because of his money, and he enjoyed their willingness to give him a good time. When other women caught his eye, the camera came in handy. He was surprised how many of the photos showed no major moral flaws that he could exploit. He was even more surprised when he saw virtue but he found many women who were hiding past and even current affairs from their boyfriends and husbands. And the camera showed Ed which of them he could extort to obtain his pound of flesh. Life is good, thought Ed. Money, women, and protected by those in high places. What more could he want? Still, Ed was restless, always snapping photos and looking for opportunities. When Ed learned of an open house at a swanky art gallery, he couldn't resist. Women and wealth in one location, ripe for the plundering. He was sampling hors d'oeuvres served from a mirrored tray by a tuxedoed waiter, when a slim but buxom raven-haired beauty in a clinging black dress caught his eye. As he reached into his sport coat pocket to retrieve his camera, a distinguished-looking older gentleman... In a charcoal gray suit with matching tie took her by the elbow and limping slightly guided her towards ed obviously a man of wealth and taste thought ed i can kill two birds with one stone by photographing them together let me please introduce myself mr fallon the man said i am samuel lucivier and this is my companion Isabel." have come to claim what is mine hey that's wonderful replied ed you're a great looking couple mind if i take your picture mind no we insist in fact let's make it a threesome lucivier took the camera from ed's hands and positioning ed between himself and isabel he held out his arm and took a selfie. Samael returned the camera to Ed. Wouldn't you like to see the photo first? Asked Ed. No, said Samael. I know what it shows. Chuckling at his good fortune and capturing them both in one shot, Ed looked at the photo. His own image was black, full of deception, fornication, extortion, and other evils. That did not surprise him. He'd taken selfies before. But his image was not as black as Samael's or Isabel's. That rattled him. Her raven hair was made of worms and eels, her eyes of coal, and her swelling breasts of black snakes. Ed's eyes bulged. He gasped frantically for breath. Samael's image also left little to the imagination, His feet were cloven, his tongue was that of a serpent, and he had a tail, and horns protruded from his head. Ed's heart beat wildly. He grasped his own throat, choking. He collapsed to the floor, thrashing. Then his body went limp. Ed's corpse was incinerated. There were no mourners. There was no interment or scattering. A dignified older gentleman carrying a small black digital camera claimed the ashes and put them aside until the day they would be reunited with Ed's soul in that gentleman's infernal abode. You just listened to Photo Op by James G. Bruin, Jr., read to you by your door-to-door storyteller, Michael Timmons. Thank you for listening. This story first appeared in Gilbert Magazine, a publication of the American Chesterton Society. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theatre.